Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Magic Beans podcast. Uh, we are here for episode 151. Didn't think we'd ever get there, but here we are. And uh, my name's Chewy, and I'll be your host for this evening. And we are continuing our little series, uh, unofficial series of guests on the cast over the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had Lyndon, we've had Ties, and, you know, they do say good things come in threes. I have got Mr. J. Mudd uh, joining me on the cast today. How are you, my friend? Hello. What an absolute pleasure to be joining you again. Great to be here. It's been a minute, mate. I, I think you've been on <laughs> one cast out of uh, in the in the past. Have you been on one? Or, yeah, yes, I, just I, one? I, I've been on the podcast once before. Yes, yeah. So once every seventy five episodes at the moment is your average. So <laughs> yes. uh, we we should uh, we should see if we can get that average up because it's always a pleasure to have you here. So uh, the reason that we've got Mr. J Mud is uh, you know you've been playing the game for a little while. And uh, you enjoy the Vorthos side of things, uh, you know, as much as other components of the game, I'm sure. But yeah, we're going to just have a little bit of a, a delve into some some backstory uh, surrounding the Brothers' War, some uh, you know, uh, storyline points, uh, points of interest, exciting events, and some cards that relate to those particular moments uh, in the storyline as well. So. Uh, Cracker and Shorty did the uh, a great stream, which is also up on our YouTube channel, going through the set mechanics and talking about some particular cards. So please uh, check that one out once you have uh, listened to this cast. They're going to get into sort of the the spikier side of things, uh, but we're we're going to keep it a little more uh, story focused here tonight, which is pretty exciting because I realized that I knew a lot of fragments about the brothers war uh but yes not really the 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 full detail so uh and you've prepared a little bit you're gonna take us on a bit of a journey tonight yes and, and we were just chatting before we we hit record and this whole vorthos thing right magic is a game i feel that as spiky as we all like to be being in the beans community we all want to win the envies this year i feel like the vast majority of us are also closet if not closet actual Vorthos fans of this game. It's what keeps us coming back. It's what got us into it in the first place. Not just the numbers, not just the gameplay. They're both there. The competitive scene's there. But the flavour of Magic and its ongoing world narratives and, as you were saying, the art or the design of the sets are such a strong part of this game. And so it's totally okay to say, I am a Vorthos every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. It's there's no problem with enjoying a particular facet of a game, and you know, you think about how many times we've you know uh, had uh, had a bit of banter with Cracker about you know a certain planeswalker and things over the journey, and you know, it's just relating to that, and it just it just it's world building and uh, makes the game pretty fun. Uh, also inspires some sweet cosplay out there as well. Uh, <laughs> which uh, isn't too bad. But you did mention the Envy, and that is part of the Magic Beans uh, tournament series. And because you're here, you're a guest, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell us about the sponsor of the Magic Beans podcast and the uh, and the tournament series. The sponsor, the much-vaunted Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, a Magic Card auction group that you'll see on your Facebooks, 
I believe if you go to facebook.com groups JPMTG Bazaar, you'll find that lot there. I know, you know, what's, what's, where, where's the fun? We're talking about magic being a fun game. Where's the fun in just buying cards, forking over money for it? You, you should tr- go in there and win those cards through an auction or being the first one to raise your hand. They do two types of auctions. Yes, straight up, here's 24 hours, be the highest bidder. And you've also got, here's a price for a card. First in best dressed, claim them while they last. And uh, I know that when I'm filling the gaps in my collection, that's the only way to do it for me. Sometimes you get a, sometimes you get a bargain, sometimes you get to pip Chewy at the post. Yeah, that's the fun bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've forgotten about that, mate, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is definitely one of the fun bits that, uh, you know, we... We we are spiky, and there's a chance to just you know pip your mate at the post as well, and or you know even better, even better than winning a card over your mate is making them pay an extra dollar than they wanted to, which is uh, pretty fun as well. So yeah, so mention our tournament series and the great support from Josh and Pat's. Uh, before we get into our main topic, just uh, wanted to touch on our league finals from last weekend. Uh, we had our top eight. Uh, we did full coverage on stream giveaways, all of the usual shenanigans that uh, we have during our league finals. It was a lot of fun and some epic matches played. I'm not sure how much you got to uh, consume over last Saturday. Did you get to watch the stream at all? I did my usual thing. You guys were on. I was pottering around looking after children or chores or cooking dinner, stuff like that. But there, there was definitely a couple of uh, matches there where I slowed down and had a good watch, um, particularly Excellent. when uh, Dark Harness was doing his best with the uh, green-white enchantments deck. That had my interest. Yeah, I've been playing green-white enchantments uh, on and off for the last you know couple of seasons, and I have got his deck together and uh, can, can uh, say with some authority that it's pretty good. He's better at it than I am. Definitely, but uh, the deck is is very very powerful. But it was uh, eventually taken down by the AV Cable, Mister Tom D, playing some Esper Legends and just riding on the back of Thalia and uh, defeating Hemsy with his Grixis deck. So uh, it was pretty uh, pretty exciting matches, and uh, you know a really really stacked top eight, and um, you know absolute murderous row uh, of, uh, of great players up there and uh, a deserving winner in Tom D who has booked themselves a seat at the at the envy table. Last one to sneak in. Uh, he's done a good job there to make sure he was included. He wasn't going to make the cut unless he won. Well, he yeah. got into the finals, so he was going to make the cut at that point. But, oh, because uh, Hemsey had he, already he, qualified, yeah. Exactly. So it was, it was very interesting the way that worked out because Hemsey was in the finals already he was guaranteed. Uh, Av Cable was guaranteed a spot, whether he won that final or not. But he he needed to make the final with in that situation in order to qualify for the NVs. Oh, nice. Um, so you you've been our like residence statistician, uh, and there was a couple of people that you know just, just we just want to we're not picking on them here. We're shouting out because we we feel them. And we've all been you know anybody's played any amount of competitive magic has finished you know ninth to 12th and and missed top 8 on breakers uh you know at least once in their career and it's shattering because you know you've done well you've you've won enough matches to 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 make top 8 but you get pipped on breakers so there was one or two people that uh you know just wanted to you know shout out 
put our hand on their shoulder, let them know that we feel their pain. Uh, and as our statistician, you've been tra- tracking who is uh, on the cusp and, and who is locked in for the envy. So, so I, I, I can tell you that uh, th- that was me crying on people's shoulders last year. So I've, I'm definitely feeling feeling for Pejor and Benny R. So we're calling this it doing year. a J-Mud, right? I'm happy with that. Yep, okay, yep, yep. <laughs> this is like Ashton Agar making 96 against England, batting number 11. Every time a number 11 makes runs, they're doing an Agar. Uh, so, yeah, if uh, if, you're, if you're just being pipped at the post for our NV, it's doing a J-Mud. So what we've got here is uh, there were – because there's 16 that make the NVs, and we had four players qualify for the envies just through straight up winning something previously. You've got Jedi's who won last year's envies, and you've got AVC Cable, Hemsey, and Insanity who won league finals earlier in the year. That means that there were 12 positions remaining to make the cut just through placing on the ladder. And we had four players contend for that last place with 12 envy points. One of them was Jedi's, so he was already in. Then we had Plunksy, Pejor, and Benyar, each on 12 points, but Plunksy was the one that came out on top with the tiebreakers, having won a matchup previously with one of those lads. Yeah, so the first tiebreaker was matches in the group stage, and the second one was matches in finals, and Plunksy had happened to uh, get the chocolates in uh, in one of the groups earlier in the year. So congratulations, Plunks, and commiserations to to the other guys. Uh, you know, you think Pejor and Benny are, you know, they're good Magic players, and it tells you the quality of uh, of players in our Envy and how exciting that will be on the 10th of December. So we'll be streaming from about 10.30 a.m. Uh, for the whole day. And Shorty had – and one of the reasons that – you know, we're, we have got our guests and such on the uh, on the cast is Shorty's not having a, any time off. He's actually working on stream stuff. So next leveling up our stream again uh, whilst you and I are uh, providing the, the podcast. Shorty will still do the editing. Um, I, I refuse to, to let him delegate that because um, he's going to do a better job than me. Uh, but there's a, um, you know, just that, that precious hour uh, to make that, you know, our stream, which is, you know, arguably one of the best uh, from a uh, an aesthetics perspective. The commentary probably needs some improving, but uh, the stream itself, uh, I I haven't seen a Magic broadcast better, uh, and Shorty's just making it better again. So catch up. And Wizards, like, you've got our number. If you want us to do some coverage for you, just, uh, you know, we can just negotiate a fee. So what do you reckon? Paid Wizards coverage, and you can be our resident stats person. We can, like, throw to you on the floor to give us some stats. Yes, I think uh, someone commented on the forums just a week or two ago. I, I'm definitely happy to be the affordable statistician on the team. Oh, okay. Yeah, love it. Love it. So, uh, well, we're, we're all the affordable podcast creators and commentators because none of us get paid for this. So, uh, we do it because we love it. Uh, but anyway, um, one of the things I do Speaking love is... Speaking of loving it. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes. Is I love segues, J-Mud. That's what I really love. The only thing I love more than dad jokes is a good segue, I think. But yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the Brothers War and we talked about it in our intro. We're going to sort of go through it a little bit uh, from a uh, a flavor perspective. So I'm 
looking at the uh, the notes that you've got prepared and you've uh, done an awesome job. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hand over to you. Uh, I'm going to let you drive uh, this uh, the majority of this episode. I'm going to ask questions. Oh. I'm going to uh, I'm going to gasp in in surprise, and I'm going to uh, you know try to add something. Uh, of value as as you go along the way. So oh, I, 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 whenever I struggle, I think whenever I'm going to toss a few curling ones at you. I think I think you could fill us in on a few of the the narrative gaps as we go along. But uh, what I've done basically is deep dive. Just this past week, I've enjoyed myself getting my vorthos on trying to understand this whole. I mean, because this set's different, right? It's no, your standard magic set, uh, they're, they're inventing stuff. The, the story is moving forward. They don't have to, pay, uh, you know, they don't have to bow down to anything. Basically, they're making up rules as they go along, in, inventing characters, inventing locations. So much location and creativity design going into new magic sets these days. But the Brothers' War, this isn't a new story. This is something that has built over 30 years of magic, magic stories. It's what this said. What it's doing is it's celebrating and deep diving on the established story and the established history that people already consider to be very important. I think it's very, it's very much like what you've been doing, discussing recently with the Warhammer sets. You've got a lot of people who have invested a lot of time in reading the books and already and piecing together this history, and they have to respect all of those details in telling this story again. But they're not just telling this story again. They've got to move forward with the story. So it's, I think they've set themselves a huge challenge in designing this set. Uh, and they've got to respect all of their established characters. Yeah. And a little bit, a little bit, I'm thinking about the, you know, uh, some TV series. You know, we've, we've got all of the, like the Marvel origin stories that we've had through, um, you know, like through various streaming services. Uh, we've had like the Lord of the Rings. We've got the, uh, the, the other one, the, with the dragons, um, uh, Forgotten Realms stuff. For, yeah. Um, no, no, I'm um, from a, um, from a TV perspective, um, where a lot of the oh, fans, yeah, get the Game of Thrones one. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, the fans, you know, already know kind of what happens and it's just, like expanding and, and fleshing things out. And it's really difficult. And it's something that you see with, with particularly the Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings ones, where a lot of fans have different interpretations or different imaginings of, uh, Don't of mess events. with what I understand about this story. That's right. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, why, why was that there? You know, why was this person, you know, tall, not short or some other, uh, you know, physical characteristic that had absolutely no, bearing on the storyline, but people get up in arms about it because it's different to what they imagined. And yeah, so there's a risk, I guess, in in going back to a, a such a significant and well-known and, and loved, honestly, uh, from, you know, amongst, you know, veteran Magic players, uh, events in history. So I look at this with excitement, but a little trepidation. The funny thing with the Brothers War, right, is it's, it's, it feels like it's always been there. It feels like they've referenced it you know, heaps of times over the last two decades. And yet there's never actually been a set based around the Brothers' War. There was, oh, well, we'll get to this in a minute, but uh, there, this was essentially, if you, if you structure 30 years worth of magic sets and you accept that it's one big 
multiversal story, The Brothers' War was right back at the very beginning. And it essentially got skipped. It was a footnote in all the sets that came afterwards. So this is their opportunity to set the record straight, if you like. And to their credit, that's part of the storyline. Yeah. The the, the current storyline with the current heroes and planeswalkers are looking back. They're one of them. Teferi is time-travelling. So they, they, they need to travel back to understand something. For all you Vorthosses out there, I'm, I'm, uh, we're not going to do any spoilers here about the current story. We're just looking back at the Brothers' War. Not least because I haven't actually finished reading the current story. So don't you spoil it for me if you've done that. <laughs> no, no, I have, I've not uh, not finished reading that either. But you, you did uh, mention, you know, this is kind of the beginning. Uh, a lot of the, the magic... The, the actual timeline, you know, chronologically uh, starts at year zero of A something. I can't remember what the, the term uh, is. AR. I'm AR, sure what yeah. So Urza and Mishra are brothers, but, you know, Urza is slightly older. He was born uh, on the first day, Mishra on the last day of year zero of, of, of AR. It's their birth so, is AR, is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it, – it, their birth, I guess, is so significant and their, their storyline is so significant that it is the timeline of which all other events in the multiverse are, are measured against. So, uh, yeah, it, that in itself shows you the magnitude of uh, and the importance of this set and the storyline. So it's pretty, pretty cool. So there you go. There's a little Vorthos thing for you. So with all of that in mind, they've got a lot to tackle in this set design. And there's, a, there's an excellent video that... Magic themselves, the wizards put out. It's called, uh, it's their standard building worlds video. And there's 20 minutes of talking heads from the set designers, basically. And, and they touch upon some of this stuff. They say, okay, good. All of these challenges, all this stuff to respect. So, what they've done in designing this set is they've got, they're tackling the war in three stages. They're doing, uh, there, there was Magic Origins set. Oh, Maybe ten years ago now. Yeah, was that for the twenty? Was that for the twentieth anniversary? The Magic Origins set. It feels Close like enough. it would have been that long ago. Yeah. yeah, they're doing something similar. There's three stages of the war being represented here: the early days, where our boys, our our uh, our heroes, or no, they're not quite heroes. Our, our figures, Urza and Mishra, they're just boys, and there are a number of other characters also we see as a young people. And then you uh, that's represented in cards. You've actually got three different ages of Mishra and Urza in this set. So early days, then the point in their history where they fall out, and this is a known part of their, their history, the fallout, Mishra goes one way, Urza goes another. They have a war. Mishra gets sucked into the whole Phyrexian stuff, and Urza continues to not get along with them for some reason. And stage three is the apocalypse. It's where it the Phyrexians turn up and it all goes to pieces. Yeah, so there was a, a little player called Gix um, sort of thrown in there as a uh, uh, sort of a precursor to the Phyrexians that uh, yeah, uh, sowed some uh, chaos, some dissension in the ranks of both uh, Mishra and Urza's armies uh, in there as well. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, th- that in itself is, uh, is, is very interesting, the whole um, infiltration. Uh, so there was Urza, Mishra, and then there were uh, a section of society that went, you know what, I, I don't want any part of, of these two brothers having a squabble, and they called themselves the Third Path. Uh, even they were infiltrated by 
the agents of Gix who were uh, worshippers of path. Phyrexia. Yeah, right. yep. so there you go. I learned that today. I was watching some videos, <laughs> trying to do my homework here. So I'm happy with my recall. Yeah. My focus has been on, and, and I'm going to take you on a journey, on how this history was all pieced together. Because yeah. when Magic was re- was was real, originally released, this story wasn't there. It was pieced together as they developed all of the early sets and they gone, oh, let's mention this Urza character again. Let's mention this Mishra character again. People seem to like the Phyrexians. So the story evolved until at some point they realized, we have a story, let's start telling it. We'll get to that point. When you look at the set that we've got here, though, we've mentioned three stages. So you try, when trying to pull together the story from the cards, you've got three different histories. You've also got an aftermath. So some of the cards aren't dealing with either of those three stages. They're adding to the story. They're looking at the world of Dominaria, the early world of Dominaria, in the immediate aftermath of Urza's massive Silex explosion. In a long story short, a bit of a spoiler for the Brothers War 4,000 years ago, but Urza blew everything up with a bowl. Uh, the Silex. And he took, that's how he took care of the Phyrexians back in the day. Uh, that's what our current heroes need to understand. How did he do that? Because we're up against Phyrexians again. The fifth aspect of the story that they need to, that the set designers need to deal with is our current heroes. So you've got cards in this set that deal with the modern day and their fight against the Phyrexians and their quest to travel back in time to understand what Ursa did 4,000 years ago or however many thousands of years ago. So, quite, so you know, it's all over the shop and I, I think they've done a great job of it. One of the things I'm looking forward to though is I, I'll get to the pre-release, I'll build my deck. My deck will be like this pulp fiction of yes. points in, uh, in in the history of the Brothers War. So that, that's pretty fun as well. If you think about that, you know, as you draw your opening hand or each time you draw the card off the top of your deck, you know, you get a different little history point, you know, probably out of order if you've randomized your deck properly. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's a fun thing to do, you know, at, at your uh, late night pre-release with your friends as well. That, that's pretty fun. There is a lot more story jam-packed into this set than I've seen in any set uh, since the Time Spiral, I think, which was a huge set as well for, for story. Absolutely. Uh, you, you, this is represented. You can see this because normally in a set, you've got, what, maybe six to eight cards that are marked with that little bit of text story highlight. Maybe six to eight cards. This is a part of the story. Whereas in this set, I haven't counted them. There's too many. It's most of them, right? Just it, most yeah. of them. At a guess, I'd say there's about 50 cards which are story highlight cards representing the original story or the modern story or the additional stories that are represented in a number of locations. So here's where you can go to get those stories. I think most people are aware that you can go to the Wizards website. Web, website. They've got their ongoing web-based stories written by their, their, their world builders. That's an excellent place to keep up with the magic narratives they, they that was going great guns a while back leading up to the war of the spark until they decided to drop it and have a go at publishing novels again that didn't work out so they're back to the website which i think is for the better you can go to their youtube channel where they've got a bit of a breakdown that video i mentioned uh, previously the building worlds one that does go into the story a little bit but actually for this one I recommend that you look up a set of videos that they produced five years ago for the 25th anniversary. It's called The Completely and Unquestionably Accurate History of Dominaria. It's quite funny. 
there's a, there's a number of small chapters in there, and it's just basically uh, Marshall Sutcliffe's and uh, Good Luck High Five crew and a few other recognisable personalities hamming it up, role-playing their way through <laughs> a, 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 a funny version of Dominaria history. Uh, that sounds great. And what we might do is ask Shorty to link that uh, in the show notes and, uh, yeah, everyone can have a uh, have a laugh and be educated at the same time. Thanks, Shorty. The funny thing about the online story for this set is what struck me straight away was they don't actually delve into the Brothers' War all that much. The stories focus on our heroes, our modern heroes, as well as the aftermath of the war, mostly. Uh, And I thought, what's the deal? Why not the Brothers' War? Turns out it's because they have published a novel way back in 1998 called The Brothers' War, and this was their 11th fan fiction novel that they had published at the time, but the first one that tackled Dominaria and the and an ongoing story. It was from this point forward that every novel built upon the history of the Magic Multiverse. So from that's how important the okay. was. Yeah, wow, that's huge. And that book that book covered the Antiquities set as well as Urza's saga, which was the start of it all. Okay. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, so the, a, a lot of info there. Uh, thank you, J-Mud. There's a lot of uh, good resources there as well. And, you know, if you're interested in this sort of thing, uh, yeah, again, that link will be in the show notes, but head over to the to the Wizards website and have a read of the story. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. And, you know, you'll get more out of the set uh, if you do that uh, bit of pre-reading as well. So what I might do, mate, is just jump into, like, because I know you've got some got some storyline on how the the world was built and then we'll have a look at some of the 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 cards and mechanics and how they relate but i might just spend just a couple of minutes and just like introduce our characters just in case you've just you just don't know you might be new to magic uh you know you, you're, you're hearing about Urza and mishra for the first time and who who are yeah. these guys yeah exactly so for, for you and i've been playing the game for a while you know we you know, but it's Urza and it's Mishra. You know, they've got factories and towers, right? We 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 yeah. <laughs> we, we know them. So it's. Uh, but if you're brand new, I'll I'll be very very brief. But you know, Urza probably one of the most famous characters in in all of Magic. Uh, he's an artificer, and he's had some you know really really powerful cards uh, over the years. Uh, there's one that's a staple in modern at the moment, and he studied the Thran artifacts that were on Dominaria and was able to power an ornithopter and uh, he and his brother with their their mentor, uh, Takazia, uh, found in the caves of Koilos, uh, which is, you know, the black-white pla- pain land, some Thran artifacts that uh, uh, one of which was uh, the Power Stone. Now, Mishra uh, is uh, Urza's brother and uh, he's kind of the polar opposite of his brother. So uh, Urza's very considered, wants to study everything, where Mishra is more of a, a man of action and also had a keen interest in, in artifacts and always sort of attended the... He was like actually, you know, like rolling up his sleeves, doing the digs, uh, getting dirty uh, with the uh, with the, the workers uh, who... I said so. Yeah, they, they play, and those workers uh, play a, a bit of a... Apart, but so while studying the Thran, um, the brothers and their mentor Takazia uh, found clues pointing towards a central location. Everything kind of pointed towards uh, one spot, and they so they got the ornithopter working, 
and uh, they found an ancient city of Koilos, which in the Argivian language actually means secret. So a little tidbit. Um, <laughs> within the cave, uh, they found an ancient machine that was powered by the Thran Power Stone, and both brothers recognizing that that was such a super powerful artifact and being, you know, having always uh, tension in their relationship and competition, they both reached for it, got to it at the same time, massive explosion, they were thrown against the wall, and when they woke up, uh, they each had half of the the stone, which was the might stone and the weak stone. And then that division is actually uh, analogous for the division amongst the brothers uh, as, as well. And kind of the, the brother, that was kind of the moment that the brothers war really began hadn't escalated yet to all out warfare, but that was when the, you know, the, the rift and, and any sort of bond of brotherhood that they might've had, um, you know, was, was severed, was cleft in twain, uh, with the, <laughs> with the, uh, the, the breaking of the, the power stone. So, yeah, so that's who they are and kind of setting the scene a little bit. So, uh, and you know, there's a few, you know, pretty iconic magic cards like Ornithopters um, that uh, that we've seen, uh, you know, represented multiple times. And you know, the first time we saw that, it was a, a Thran artifact, which is an ancient kingdom uh, on Dominaria uh, that had kind of been long lost. And uh, spoiler alert, the, uh, the Power Stone, the machine that that was powering, just might have been holding back a certain Phyrexian portal. Uh, from coming into Dominaria. So not only were they fighting each other, they'd uh, kind of unknowingly uh, broken the seal, so to speak. So a lot uh, a lot there, pretty cool origin story and something that uh, I'm keen for you to, uh, you know, take us through that that set history and, and how, uh, how that all sort of came through. And then you've got some questions for me as well. Well, I, I, feel, I feel a bit like... The boys, uh, or Tokasia, Tokasia, the archaeologist, because what I've done is I've gone back in time and I've unearthed, I've gone to Scryfall, the best website yes. for referencing cards, and I've plugged keyword searches into their law search field. There's actually a search field in Scryfall where you can search through law. And wow. what I wanted to understand was. How much of this story did we under did we know from the get go? How much of this was there? What wh where did it all come from? And so I started by looking at, as you would, the alpha, beta, unlimited releases, the very first sets, and I was looking for Urza and Mishra basically, and also a part of me was looking for Dominaria. I learned very quickly I had to look for not Dominaria but Dominia. That was the, uh, the the world that they were building at that time. But even then, there wasn't much invested investment in Dominia. Only two cards in the Alpha, Beta, Unlimited sets even referenced Dominia. It was more on the boxes, I think, than rather on the cards where they mentioned when they referred to that. So one of those cards is an absolute classic, Chewy. Yep. Both of them, both of the cards that mentioned Dominia are just mentioning it in, in, in the flavor text, as you can imagine. But one of them we, 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 we all know and love. It's a certain famous green card of a 2-2 variety. And a I'm grizzly sure bear? you can name it already. A grizzly bear. Okay. The grizzly bear card references Dominia. 
Uh, it's quite a long piece of flavor text, and I've got a few cards to go through, so I won't read it out for everybody. But the other one is Demonic Hordes. So, uh, created to destroy Dominion, these demons can sometimes be bent to a more focused purpose. So, I think that these guys might represent the Phyrexians for this set, because there's no mention of Phyrexians at this early stage. The interesting thing is, there are mentions of Urza and Mishra in this popular opening set. Can you name any of those cards? They're all in the uh, name of the card. Oh, in the name of the card in in Alpha. Urza and Mishra get name-checked in the names of three artifact cards. Is Urza's sunglasses in Alpha? Yes, it is. It is, well yeah. Yep, sunglasses yep, okay. of Urza, that's one of them. Yep, yep. Um, I don't think Mishra's factory was in... That's a saga, like an Urza's saga... Card, comes not a an lot alpha later. card. It's right. Yeah, it's a lot later. Um, and I don't think we had, we didn't have the the creature land yet either. That came in that same set. Uh, is it Ank of Mishra? The well that, done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I was playing this game with the right person. Yeah, yes. Ank of Mishra, which is a real surprising artifact to see. Uh, it just sits there. It's called a continuous artifact. They hadn't quite fine tuned their 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 card descriptors by that point, and it just sits there and says, oh, I'm going to do two damage to anyone who puts a new land into play. I've played that card in aggressive decks in Seven Point Highlander, uh, actually. So I, I, I own an Ankh of Mishra, not from Alpha, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty good sideboard card. Zozu the Punisher from the original Kamigawa set was a goblin, a three-mana 2-2 two, two goblin that kind of did the same thing. So yeah, it's... Wow. Um, yeah, so it's, so it's a, powerful, right? So yeah. a lot of people had the name Mishra in mind moving forward from this first set, as well as a uh, Urza for some reason. I mean, the sunglasses of Urza just say white mana in your mana pool can be used as either red or white mana. So not a world-breaking effect there. The last artifact uh, I'll put you out of your misery was simply glasses of Urza. So not only did we have glasses of Urza, we had sunglasses of Urza. And that's it. Okay. What did the glasses do? Uh, you may look at opponent's hand. So uh, that is telepathy yeah. in artifact form. Okay. Uh, so I wasn't aware of that card. I I knew of the sunglasses, wasn't sure it was in alpha. And yeah, I've, de- I've never played that, but I've definitely cast the Ankh of Mishra on, on multiple occasions. Uh, I found I it particularly good one. in Seven Point Highlander when they printed the uh, allied fetchlands because it meant that every single Highlander deck was running, you know, double the amount of fetches and uh, I got them. I got them good. So uh, I was one game away. One, I was actually four <laughs> points of damage away from winning a time walk uh, with Ankh of Mishra in my sideboard. There you go. So back Vorthos. Vorthos podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So good. Sorry, sorry. I'm back, back, back on, back on track. Uh, so long as it was a flavor win, I don't care. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll be honest. I actually thought sunglasses of Verso belonged in an unset when I first saw it, but there it was in Alpha, right, right off the bat. Sunglasses of Verso. So moving from that, the very first expansion after those sets was Arabian Nights, which may come as no surprise that in that very unique set, they hadn't quite worked out what that they were doing in world building or metaverse building by this point. They just wanted to release more magic cards. So there's nothing in there for our brothers. There's just a bunch of Arabian Nights from the uh, Arabian Nights inspired stuff. But after that, the very next set 
was antiquities. Okay. Astonishingly, in early 1994, they had already worked out, okay, let's focus on, let, let's bring together a set which looks at all these cool artifacts that we, we, we can have using these rules that we've designed. And probably because of the Ankh of Mistra, nothing to do with Urza, but because they had well-known artifacts with these two names, Mishra and Urza crop up a lot of times in the design for this set. Urza gets name-checked 21 times in Antiquities, and there's only 85 unique cards. Wow. So he's, he's on a quarter of these cards. Mishra is on 13 of them. Your ancient Thran Empire that you kindly given the backstory, only one. The ancient Thran Empire gets mentioned once in a card called Suchi, which is an artifact creature, 4-4. Four, four, and when it goes to the graveyard, it gives you another four colorless mana. That's it. So there's a reference, there's an idea uh, that there was an empire. Um, and oh, look, Tokaja gets a name. Let me read you the flavor text. It says, flawed copies of relics from the Thran Empire. The Suchi were inherently unstable, but provided useful knowledge for Tokaja's students. So that's the only reference to the Thran Empire. Okay. Because there was later on a, it was an artifact creature. It was a Thran golem or thran something where you could pay some mana and it would get smaller power and toughness but would gain abilities like lifelink or flying or something as well i can't remember what that card was called exactly it'll come to me but yeah so i assumed that was that was in like a a core set like eighth or ninth edition or something i'd be interested to see where that was originally printed so interesting though yeah okay there's a lot else that turns up in the antiquities. We'll spend a few more minutes on yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Your Mish's factory, your Urza's mine, tower, they're all here in antiquities. It wasn't uh, Urza's saga you know, several years later that introduced Urzatron. It was this second expansion set, which I was amazed at. Phyrexia gets name-checked in two cards, and as does Yorkmoth. Uh, so the whole, okay. the whole legend is represented here, but not, I feel, the story. Urza gets his Ornithopter. Can you name the artifact that represents Urza's Silex in this set? Uh, in the in the the current set, in the Brothers War set, or in... No. Uh, no, no. In the Antiquities, it's there. Oh. The Antiquities oh. set has the bowl that destroys everything. The story's not there, but the bowl is clearly there, and there's an artifact there for it. Uh, and it's not it's not called the Silex. It's it's not no. called the no. No, so but- Silex is in its name. Ah, uh, it's called the Golgothian Sil- Silex or Silex. Okay. It costs it costs four mana and it just sits there. But for one extra mana to activate it, you can destroy all cards from the Antiquities expansion, including this Silex. <laughs> so it's 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 a set wrath. It's a set. Oblivion bowl, like an oblivion stone. <laughs> oblivion. Wow. Okay. That's a that's an interesting design space, isn't it? Especially like not something they could really do now because it's like, well, what sets that from? You know, it's like it's actually a- illegal. I think. I think that they did they did that three times in those early sets. One specific enchantment or artifact that could destroy specifically cards from that expansion. Yeah, the apocalypse chime was one of them, right? Right. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, uh, I'm kind of glad they left that one behind, but uh, flavorful, uh, absolutely. But 
probably not workable, <laughs> which has caused a lot of arguments. And, you know, like that card was originally printed in this set, but that's this is the later reprinting or this is the secret lair version, so it doesn't count. So, yeah, I could see things uh, getting confused. So, okay, so uh, do we have some of the cards that mention Phyrexians? Yes, we do. Can you name them? Can you have a guess? Well, when was Phyrexian Negator printed? Uh, that came along later, I'm That guessing. came along later, okay. Uh, I, 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 I can give you... Well, look, I, I'm looking at them right now. I don't think any of these have lived to become classics in themselves. Okay. There, there isn't much in the way of flavour on them because they're chock-a-block full of text. Is it something like <laughs> uh, a dragon engine or something? Uh, no, that, again, that's that's later. They that's haven't later. established Phyrexia as nasty artifact creatures at this early stage. They are they more represent your classic black is bad, black is evil, and stuff. So, you, so what you got here is Phyrexian gremlins, the gate to Phyrexia. So the story doesn't exist, right? But the story comes from somewhere, and in this first set, there was a gate to Phyrexia. The flavor text for it is, The warm rain of grease on my face immediately made it clear I had just entered Phyrexia. So even a reference to Greece, this is where people started building the story from. This Cards like this. Uh, there's a priest of Yorgmoth and there's a Yorgmoth demon. Okay, yeah, okay. So I know of Yorgmoth demon. Uh, I couldn't tell you this. You know the, what the card does, but it's definitely a card that I've does a, does a lot. seen in, in my journeys, yeah. Okay. Wow. I've got another question for you. Here's okay. A, here's a bit more Tricia. There are three stones in this set. Can you name them? So I'm going to, like, weak stone, might stone would be two of them. Yep. 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 Uh, and I remember, the like, the weak stone's got some weird dog wearing a thing on a it collar. It is a like, very weird dog. It looks like a yeah. Muttley from those classic Hanna-Barbera <laughs> yes. cartoons. I can hear the, the laugh in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so weak stone, power stone. Oh, is it uh, stone? Stone. Think classic, classic stone. Classic stone. It's a classic stone, but it is not Urza's and it is not Mishra's. Uh, is it just worn power stone? It is a mono artifact. It is costs two to put it into play. I'll read you the flavor text. Oh, okay. the flavor text mentions its name. More than one mage was driven insane by the sound of the. Relentlessly grinding away. Oh, grindstone. Right. Uh, ah. No, millstone. Millstone, millstone. Sorry. Yeah, millstone. Yeah. Uh, yeah the original go. millstone. Was yeah, with the, the, I can picture the art with the wheel on it. And yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. Millstone. And that's where the term mill comes from, which is now a keyword. Uh, came it's from a keyword that. in card games that are nothing to do with magic. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, there you go. That's a nice little Vorthos point right there. That's pretty good. We're nailing this, J-Mutt. Oh, right. I'm glad we are. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not done with the, I'm not done with antiquities yet, though. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll move on shortly. So considering what's in this set, the Brothers War, that, that's being released soon, there are another a bunch of legends that get quite a bit of airtime in this set that are referenced often in the antiquities set. You've got Tornos, who is Urza's apprentice. Yep. He's referenced on six cards. I think he gets six cards that are basically about him. You've got Tokazia, the, uh, the the mentor and the, the architect. She gets eight cards. Wow. Mentioned on eight cards. So, you know, prominent characters in the original antiquity set. Just 
the design space. Someone gets only one card, but it's a card. That someone is expanded upon quite a bit more in the Brothers War set. Uh, it's a famous card. Ashnod's you- altar. Well, Ashnod gets her own, gets five references. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah. This, but there is a legend that gets a bit of airspace in the Brothers War set, who is only mentioned once in the Antiquity set. Is it Urza's wife? It's someone's wife. Taylor? Yes, it, it is someone's wife, but she has gone on to be much more well-known than the husband, who apparently is called Drafna. Oh, okay. Uh... She is a legendary wizard in her own right, and this is the first time she's part, she's in the name of this spell. It is an instant. It costs one and a blue, and it is very much about artifacts, as you'd expect in this set. Oh, uh, the one that the card that returns all artifacts to its owner's hands. Um, it's a recall. Yeah, Whose recall is Hercule, it? Hercule. Yeah, Hercule's recall. So Hercules, yeah, the, yes, okay. Oh, whenever I think about that card, I think the first time that Polywaffle, he's like, "Oh, I've built a, uh, I've built Merfolk. Let's play together." I'm like, "Okay, no worries. I have got some affinity." And he just main deck <laughs> Hercules recalls me. It's just, oh, I don't have PTSD about that at all. So a totally appropriate space for uh, a set for Hercules recall to debut in. Yeah, that's a that's a fair hoser. That's great. Okay. Very so cool. there, 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 there are two. There are two. Her, Hercule gets her own card in the new set, as well as uh, a spell called Hercule's Final Meditation, which is apparently something to do with this, the expanded story, but it's certainly not in the Antiquity set. Okay. Uh worth mentioning Titania's Song as well. Which, oh gosh, look at all this text. It says all non-creature artifacts in play lose their abilities and become artifact creatures with toughness and power equal to their casting costs. So that's a world enchantment that turns all the artifacts into creatures that don't do their original artifacty thing. That's Titania's song. And looking at the modern set, Titania has a much more prominent role to play, representing, and I'm going to touch upon this a couple more times. It's not, it doesn't get a lot of airtime in the background of the, this legend as it gets built up, but it's always there. There's always a couple of green spells in the narrative space for Urza and Mishra, and they represent the outrage of the natural world and what Urza has done. Yeah, so what happened is that on the main continent uh, in Dominaria where the main battle happened, um, they had ravaged a lot of the natural resources building their armies and war machines. machines. And then they discovered uh, another continent that was rich in... Uh, in, in natural resources, both brothers, unbeknownst to each other, discovered it around the same time, and uh, went to negotiate, you know, use of their resources because they both saw it as a chance to win the war, and that was actually the uh, the sort of scene for the final battle. But the the elves and the dryads and you know nature uh, kind of revolted at the you know them bringing wars to their shore so it's uh i'm not surprised to see you know um titania doing uh doing those sorts of things and you know we've had seen a lot of elves uh, represented you know there's like priests of titania and um other other cards referencing that titania got a her own card uh a few years back as well where she can like bring lands back from the graveyard and stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, when there's a whole bunch of war, uh, and a lot of, you know, mining, literal mining, uh, to, you know, uh, you know, 
extracting natural resources. Uh, I like that one of the things I like about this story is the the natural world being a player and and kind of you know revolting against the uh, the incursion as it were. So uh, pretty cool. I, I like that. It's well represented. I think. Yeah, Titania is one of the three meld cards available in this set, so it's definitely a prominent part of the story now. There's only ever one or two cards whenever the story was revisited in previous sets. Okay. So skipping ahead, let's do that. The next three releases of story were The Legends, The Dark, and The Fallen Empires, none of which do a whole... None of them name-check Urza, Mishra, or even Dominaria. Dominia, as it was known in those days, they are their own little thing. In, 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 in they've all been retrofitted in the story to be part of the big story. They all sort of represent the era post-apocalypse, where Dominaria is recovering and you know getting through thousands of years after the apocalypse, um, becoming the Dominaria that we subsequently know once the heroes start turning up again and Urza returns from his exile. But originally. In 1994, Legends of the Dark Fallen Empires, no, the, the story didn't exist. Though interestingly, in the Legends, there was a legendary land called Urborg. Just oh. Urborg. Urborg existed as a single card legendary land. And it just, it was simply tap to add black to your mana pool or tap to remove first strike from a creature or swamp walk from a creature. Wow. So, but that's where Yorgmoth got buried, right? So, that's right. And that it became Tomb of Yorgmoth. Okay. Interesting. As early as the Legends, Urbog was there, and then they just expand upon it when they're looking for ideas and places and names. What's a card we've done before? Oh, look, there's Urbog. It's got a picture of a castle in a pool of lava. Let's go with that one. Yorgmoth can die there. Uh, I like it. Well, it's just world building, right? That, that That's pretty good. So That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then flavorfully, you know, it, it does more. It it does more than just tap for black. It makes everything tap for black. The irony there is the Swamp Walk thing. Because it removes it, Swamp Walk. Yeah, but then the Tomb of Yorgmoth, then, you know, uh, if you- Makes everything opponent, swampy. Yeah, if you've got a Swamp Walk, if your opponent's got a Swamp Walk creature, uh, you know, you're, uh, you've kind of- you know, cooked yourself there because <laughs> you've made them the creature unblockable. You might not have had a swamp, but uh, I, that's awesome. Uh, I didn't know that. That's uh, that's very very cool. Now the next set. Can you name the next set after Fallen Empires in late nineteen ninety four? This is the biggest gap, by the way. Mid ninety five before the next set comes out. I feel like we're probably due for an ice age. Correct. Yes. Okay. Ice Age. Yep. Retrofitted. Where we we've got we've passed through the apocalypse and now we've moved into an Ice Age as the world of Dominaria still tries to recover. Right. There is more name checks here for Urza alone. Mishra no mention. Dominaria no mention. Or uh, the the Silex. But Urza gets three checks. He gets two. He gets. He's he's got a bauble. Urza's bauble is in this set. And he gets something which was based clearly on the popularity of the Ornithopter. In fact, in the flavor text, it says, it's no Ornithopter, but then I'm no Urza. So at this stage, Urza, uh, well, this, for the first time, we've got a set based in a world which is supposed to be the same world that Urza's from. Clearly, it's in the flavor text. And Urza is now a legend. He's a great designer of artifacts, whereas whoever this guy is, Arkham Dagson, he's recognized as I'm no Urza. So all I can make is a whalebone glider that no one wants to use. 
Right. Interesting. Akrabdagson got got a reprint in Time Spiral, I believe. Well, got a Probably. card in, in Time Spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the Whalebone Glider never really got mentioned again because yeah, it's a fairly ineffectual. Actually, it's like an early uh, equip equipment. For two mana, you can put this into play, and then you pay two mana, you tap this artifact. You're effectively putting it on a creature. Tap target creature with power no greater than three. It gains flying until the end of the turn. Oh, you don't tap it. You just target creature gains flying until the end of the turn. Yeah, there was like Urza's power armor in a in a later set and things like that, which was an artifact that you would tap to, to give something, give that creature a target thing. But if that was printed today, it would be an equipment. But yeah. I hadn't figured that out. Yeah. I don't know what set Urza's Power Armor comes from specifically, but um, I do remember that as a card, reading that going, well, that should just be an equipment. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Urza's Legend is built upon just a little bit more with a card called Word of Undoing. It's just a simple blue instant, um, single blue matter to cast it, which returns a creature to Zona's hands and return any white enchantments you own on that creature back to your hands. So... <laughs> I get your pacifism back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but in the, in the flavor text, it says, it was in Urza's journals that I finally found the secret at the core of the summonings from in a journal written by author unknown. So clearly at this point, the set designers are establishing, someone behind the scenes is establishing Urza is a legend from a couple of sets ago in this world. Nice. But that's it. Uh, no mention of Mishra or Dominara or the world having been blown up or a Silex or anything like that. The next set that comes out is Homelands. It's its own storyline. It doesn't expand upon basically anything else, but it does introduce Sarah. The angel. Okay. Yeah. The society around Sarah as well. But following that is Alliances, a much maligned set. But now we're starting to see that the, the slow build upon the things the sets it, it, there's evidence that every set is going to build upon previous sets in terms of building out the metaverse or, or or at least this world at this early stage urza gets one card mishra gets one card and the phyrexians they get four cards Ooh, okay so uh this is the alliance set don't know how familiar you would be since uh none of those cards are useful in any kind of standard uh would you like to hazard a guess at any of the they're all in the name of the card. So this this is where you you know it's intentional now. They're all Phyrexian something somethings or Mishra's something or Urza's something. Okay. Alliances. That's not when we first saw the Tronlands, is it? No, the Tronlands were the Tronlands were in uh the Antiquity set. In the Antiquity set. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll... For those of you playing along at home, we've got five artifacts and one black enchantment creature. Enchantment creature. Well, enchant creatures. Oh, enchant creature. Right. Uh, hatred? No, that's an instant. No. Because um, that art on that could be a, a character from the time from that particular card. That's why I thought of that. So they're all artifacts. Oh, I'm Five drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank, j That's all right. I don't, I, in all honesty, I don't think any of these are classics. But you've got Mishra's Groundbreaker. You've got Urza's Engine. Uh, Phyrexian portal. Oh, so we, okay. We had, a, yeah. we had a Phyrexian gate back in the, the original set in, in, in Antiquities, I think. Phyrexian portal is definitely a card I've heard the name of over the time. I couldn't tell you what it does, but it's a card I know exists. 
There's so much old-school text squeezed into that, I dare not try to interpret it. Uh, you've got a Phyrexian Warbeast and a Phyrexian Devourer. And the uh, enchant creature is a Phyrexian Boon, which pumps up black creatures, but otherwise uh, dials them down a little bit with a negative one, negative two. So all very flavoursome, and it's building upon... We're slowly getting this legend now at this point. If not, a, if not the story, uh, I think at this point they've worked out who the Phyrexians are, because I think these are the first artifact creatures associated with the Phyrexian name. Yeah. And they're okay. they're associated with pain, doing yourself damage as well. So the Phyrexian War Beast, when it leaves play, you must sacrifice a land, and this War Beast does one damage to you. Interesting. But it's a 3-4 for three generic so, oh, so powerful, and and that that you know, I've, I've mentioned Phyrexian Negator a few times. It's a three mana five five in the world of Dark Rituals, but if it took damage, then you had to sacrifice permanent. So it's that high risk, high reward. But yeah. interestingly, uh, and one of the things I've you know discovered through just like medical terminology and and pieced together in my own head, but uh, the the word Phyrexian uh, is to me sounds very close to Pyrexia, Phyrexia, Pyrexia. Yeah, right. Which is a temperature, right? It's a you've you've got a so if you took one of your kids to the emergency department because they had a really high temperature that you couldn't uh, get under control, uh, they're presenting complaint, uh, and in the Victorian emergency minimum data set that we report to the state government would be the uh, pyrexia of unknown origin. High temperature from no from nowhere explained. Yeah. 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 So so uh, I. Yeah, I put that together one day whilst doing some, you know, system configuration <laughs> at work, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> and it happens a bit, doesn't it? You just you get, you're getting on with your normal professional life, and then suddenly, and magic, hey, is, magic it, reference, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Everybody, every time somebody says to me, um, "Hey, can we brainstorm some ideas?" And uh, you know, I just instantly get that classic yeah. brainstorm art <laughs> in my head. So yeah, it's um, sure can. Yeah, we all do that. Yeah, we we all love a brainstorm. So yeah, so there you go. Sorry, uh, it wouldn't be a podcast with me without some random tangent. But I uh, consider I've- it's an honour, sir. <laughs> okay, you've been tangented. I've been so- tangented by the legendary Chewy. Uh, <laughs> next set after alliances. Now we're talking, right? The next set we're at now we're at the. Late 1996 by this point. And now they're buckling down. They've been doing this for three years and they're getting serious about their world building. So they tackle a two-set two story for the first time. They've got Mirage and Visions coming in together. And it's based with an African culture, an African world-inspiring Mirage and Vision. But there's still no linking official linking in, in, in the flavor text to a place called Dominaria, right? There's no reference to Dominia or D- Dominaria. There's just a reference to where they are for this particular set, the, the, the handful of African nations. And okay. yet they're connected. Why are they connected? Because there are Phyrexians here. There's no Urza. There's no Mishra. But there are six Phyrexian cards. And by the way, we're introducing Teferi. The the. I've got here three of the Phyrexian cards that I know that you will recognize. So we're getting it on now. Phyrexians are the the ongoing bad guy flavor. If you're designing in the black space and if you want a couple of high-cost, high-reward artifact creatures, basically. What we have here is a sorcery, two, uh, four mana, two colorless, a black and a red. When you play it, 
you pay three life per target, and it destroys any number of targets, provided you're paying three life per target. What is it called? It's not void. That's a similar mana cost. Uh... It's certainly a similar design too. It's that old school gold colour where it looks yeah. like it's a golden black stripes. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know this card at all. I don't think I've ever this seen is, this card. This is Phyrexian Purge. Oh, actually, okay. no, no, it might even. What was the what was the set symbol for Mirage and Visions? Or Visions was a what, V. Mirage was a was that the little palm tree? The palm tree. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's Mirage Phyrexian Perch. Another one, and you'll get this one. I'm sure you will. It costs one mana to put it into play. It's an artifact creature. It has trample. It's a twelve twelve. Oh, Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I've lost to that when, thing in vintage. When it comes into play, sacrifice any number of creatures with total power of twelve or more, or bury, not sacrifice, bury Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yeah, there you go. There was a combo where there was a a a card that let you play it uh, face down, and then you could just turn it face up by its uh, by paying its mana cost. So it was a combo where a two card <laughs> combo where you get a one mana twelve twelve. Uh, it was a vintage deck back in the day. So um, yes, yeah, so, well, I, I knew that was a classic. The other one's Phyrexian Vault. So um, they're getting serious now. You're getting some proper constructed cards. Mm. They're designing these sets for. Uh, for story and for constructed, and even at this point, they're designing it for sealed events for the first time, apparently. And the Phyrexians tie them together. Not the name Dominaria, not the not the the the, the brothers, but the presence of the Phyrexians alone. The next set is a standalone. It's Weatherlight, and this is where uh, this is uh, again kicking up another notch in terms of their storyline. It's its own story. Uh, I, I won't delve too much into it. Mostly because I don't know the details, but the Weatherlight crew. What's the name of the ship they fly in? Uh, it is Weatherlight. It is the name of the it ship. Is, it yep. is the Weatherlight. So yep. all of those heroes and the crew of the Weatherlight, their story starts now. They were like the original Gatewatch, right? Like the the, yes. the band of heroes that we we saw that we followed. Uh, so yeah, and it was uh you know there's like Joyra and a whole bunch of it's like this uh, unlikely. Motley crew. Motley crew, yeah. Yeah, that all, all came together. Destined to crew the Weatherlight and, and, and achieve a few things. And ultimately, what, uh, Weatherlight follows follows on with the Tempest Stronghold and Exodus. Ultimately, they, 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 they get to build the Legacy Weapon. Now, who designed the Legacy Weapon? Oh, we'll, we'll get there in a second. Okay. In the Weatherlight set, there's, I did my, 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 my law search in Scry 4. There's only one results from the Weatherlight set. It's, uh, to, be, to be honest, to be fair, it's, only, it's a smaller set. It was only 167 cards. But there was one Phyrexian reference. So, yay, it's still the same universe. Uh, this new story, which was designed for a book for the first time, uh, for that kind of narrative for the first time. We've got not a card that I recognise in any way, the Phyrexian Furnace. Do you recognise that one? I, it's familiar to me. But I couldn't tell you what it does. That's all right. It, I'd say it doesn't do anything very important. It's just a, a one-mana artifact. You tap it to remove the bottom card of target player's graveyard from the game. I, bottom card yeah. from their graveyard. And then there's a, it's a second ability as well. Yes, right? yes. Well done. Yes, you yes. Are. Yeah. You sacrifice it and yep. remove target card in the graveyard from the game and draw a card. Oh, yeah, that's useful. Before we had um, the, the modern-day uh, graveyard 
hate cards. Um, you know, we had like that was as good as it got. Yeah, we had like scrabbling claws, uh, Tormod's crypt, and 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 the Phyrexian furnace. Um, before we had you know Grafticus Cage or the what's the other one, the one mana one that uh, Relic of Progenitus. So before we had those, yeah. I, so again, in 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 Highlander, uh, and you know, the, the one of the things about Highlander, and and you know, to an extent, uh, Commander is you get to go deep on these cards to find these redundant effects when you're playing Singleton. Um, so yeah, I've probably got one of those floating around in my collection somewhere, and I've, yeah, I've definitely cast it. So there you go. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad it has a importance. Uh, so uh, so uh, what we've got is. Um, well, the, the next two sets being Tempest, Stronghold, and Exodus, they are a trilogy, and it's just all about the weatherlight. But they're clearly now at this point building towards uh, the Brothers. You'll note at this point we, we we don't have the Brothers War. There is no mention of the Brothers War even now, and we're in the 90, we're at 1998. We're five years into Magic, but Urza is coming because in this trilogy you've got the Phyrexians again. You've got one mention of Urza, and you've got one mention of Mishra. In flavor text somewhere, I think. What's uh, no Mishra doesn't get a mention, but Dominaria gets a mention. To me, for the first time, Dominaria is mentioned as the place where all of these disparate things are strung together. In a card called Invasion Plans, uh, it just says in the flavor text, Gerard, who is I think the lead hero of the Weatherlight. Gerard studied the globe as Miri kept watch. Suddenly, his eyes widened. This is Dominaria. So the story. It's just gone smack. We're all interested in Dominaria. This is the plane that's being defended by our heroes. Everything you've seen before, Urza, Phyrexians invading, all that stuff, this is Dominaria. They've got a plan at this point because this is when the Brothers' War, the book, is published right Uh, now at the release of Tempest, Stronghold, and Exodus. And the plan is coming together because the very next trilogy is Urza's saga, Urza's legacy, Urza's destiny. Now we've got our backstory. Along with a bunch more books that follow up, and I don't—I'm sure I don't need to tell you that Urza is mentioned everywhere. The Phyrexians are mentioned everywhere. Dominaria doesn't get cited at all, which is a disappointment. Yeah. Okay. Mishra gets mentioned once. <laughs> so even though this is about Urza, and there's a clear sort of backstory about the the fight or the big thing that Urza caused, it's still not about the Brothers' War. Mishra gets one mention in a card called Mishra's Helix, which is, again, nothing to do with their war, but they're crediting him with some... some artifice. Right. Artifice, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Khan is introduced, and that tower you mentioned before, the Phyrexian Tower, is introduced in this set. The Thrans get a lot of airtime. There's 10 cards with Thran on them. And what I mentioned before, my favourite sort of sub-theme, the, the outrage of nature has returned. Specifically, that's another mention of Mishra. It says here in Elvish Herder, which is just a common elf, 1-1 one, one, one for one green mana, it gives one creature trample, right? But the flavour text is so important. It says, Before Urza and Mishra came to Argoth, the herders prevented their creatures from stampeding. However, during the war, they encouraged it. Such an nice. innocent card that yeah. informed the story. I really liked discovering that one. Yeah, that's a gem. That's a good. That's you've done a great job here, mate. It's excellent. All right, uh, what happens next? Uh, look, we are uh, we're going to wrap up the story of Dominaria uh, just quickly because that's basically it until well outside of the books, right? The next 
six sets, the two trilogies which further explore Dominaria and the story of the Weatherlight crew and Urza alone, really, not about the Brothers' War and the history, but Urza's plan on how to defeat the Phyrexians and details, details, right? Um, yeah. But you, 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 there's one card that leapt, there's two cards that leapt out of me that is connected to the story that we're interested in the Brothers' War. You've got a card from Plane Shift called Urza's Guilt, which specifically references Mishra, right? Subtly. It says, in the flavor text, it goes, Deep in Yorgmoth's realm, Urza stopped dead in his tracks and rubbed his soot-filled eyes. Mishra? So, you know, if you've read the books, you go, cool, that's a great call-out. He's really guilty for causing his brother's death. And he's in Yorgmoth's realm, which, you know, maybe he's hallucinating that his brother's there. The other card that stood out to me was a card called Dominaria's Judgment. That was huge for me because Dominaria gets so little in the way of name checks. And yet here it is, Dominaria itself casting judgment on all of this world-destroying magic. The only other time Dominaria has been name checked are in the recent Dominaria sets. So that was cool. Otherwise, you're skipping ahead to the Time Spiral set. And the Time Spiral set, that's where I come in as a player because it was such a cool set that mentioned all these legends I had no idea about and the messing around with time. So, of course, they really enjoyed it. But the interesting thing about the Time Spiral set, just skipping straight to them, is Mishra suddenly gets a bit more of his backstory filled in in the form of cards. He's been totally neglected in the cards. Presumably in the books he gets a lot more airtime. But Mishra gets his own card, right? In wow. the Time yeah. Spiral set, he gets Mishra, Artifice's Prodigy. Urza himself has not had a card at this point, but Mishra gets a card. Uh, sorry, I stand corrected. Urza got a card in one of the unsets. That's right. It's like a five-color planeswalker with a website or something, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and, uh, there are a lot of other cards which sort of touch upon the backstory because that's what t- Time Spiral was all about. But I thought it was worth mentioning that Mishra actually gets a card before Urza did. It took all the way until the, 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 the special uh, sets for... Oh, right, the, like the Modern Masters or whatever they Mod were. Masters, Modern Masters, thank you. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yep, yep, sorry. Yeah. Lost you, you lost Modern me for Masters a minute. Earth. Yeah, and that's where we get uh, Urza, Lord High Artificer, um, which uh, in itself is a bit of a callback. So uh, during one of the battles with um, with Mishra, his father-in-law passes, uh, you know, gets killed in the in the battle, and he becomes effectively the king of the Krug Empire, and um, yeah, is is then the the Lord High Artificer. So rather than they king. delve into that a bit more of the law for this current set, yeah. but I've held yeah. enough of your time. Uh, uh, us Vorthos, was, we 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 can get a bit carried away. No, I've I've <laughs> you've I've been enthralled, and hopefully hopefully <laughs> no one else listening. is listening. But yeah, we're still talking. <laughs> Wake up! No, so no, I. I think that's uh it's been great to kind of lift the lid and you know we could uh absolutely do uh some more of this so uh i think we might have you back jmud uh in the next few weeks uh and we'll uh we might be able to continue some of this type of thing and and how some of the cards in the set you know once we start playing with the new set and uh get familiar with them it'll be a, a good time to get into you know some of the cards that you know, maybe seeing play in standard or have an impact on other formats and do a bit of a uh, a review on not them as a card and their um, their playability or what have you, but on 
the moments of the uh, of the Brothers War storyline that they represent. I think that could be a bit of fun. Um, but uh we are we are out of time uh we better let people uh go otherwise they're going to complain that we talk too much which is i I get that complaint but yeah it it happens yeah so uh absolutely uh loved uh the the background and the homework that you've done here Uh, i've learned a lot here and uh hopefully you know you're listening at home or in your car and you know you've got some renewed uh you know enthusiasm for this set and you know maybe you're listening to this on the way to the pre-release so you know you can uh enjoy uh that extra facet uh of 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 the pre-release which is great so it's not going to help you win the game but you'll 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 get a bit of extra joy well flavor wins are just as important at the pre-release so that's okay (laughs) that's true so we will do our normal wrap-up so uh if you want to Get in on any of our uh, tournament series next year. We are wrapped up. We're about to do the invitational uh, in the in next month, in, in about a month. Uh, so check out our Twitch for that. If you follow us on Twitch, you'll get those notifications when we go live. Uh, but uh, if you want to jump over to our Discord, the link is always in the show notes. And uh, we have a website, uh, which is just www magicbeanscast.com and that's got all of our socials uh all of the information around our tournament series all of the uh links to everything you need to get involved with our little community as well as our merch store uh we've got a uh you know lots and lots of options to uh get clad in your beans gear and uh you know represent us uh, at some uh at some events that may or may not be upcoming and uh, you can also find us on Twitter uh, at Magic Beans Cast. If you want to find me on Twitter, uh, I am at ChewyMTG. And Jmart, uh, you've got a Twitter? I have a Twitter, yes. As, as much as the Twitter is a very interesting place to be right now, uh, I am Jmart underscore MTG. Excellent. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for tuning into episode 151 of the Magic Beans Cast. We will see you all next time. Bye.